Right here. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. back welcome back to the redneck tech podcast brought to you by diamond back covers um i have been gone for ooh, i think my last show was a little over a week or two weeks ago i don't even know um had a lot going on lately between the new baby which was home and um all healthy so that's good and i was in wtf last week um had some work things going on so uh it's just been a little little backed up here so i apologize for the this latest episode taking so long to get out my plan was to do one a week and i know it's been a little longer than a week since the last one i got out but i uh finally had a chance today to sit down got everybody all the kids down and my wife's resting so everybody's good so i thought it would be a good time to come upstairs sit down at my desk and record a podcast Got to run into, got to go to NWTF for a day or, you know, most of a day on Saturday. Ran into a bunch of bunch of listeners, got to put a face with a name, which was really cool. You know, people that, you know, we talk about things, you know, I get questions and, you know, trying to get to know people. Some guys that are going to try and come to my class, got to run into them. The 8th and Time guys got to run into Dustin Apple, who I talk to a lot. Um, some, some just good people. And uh, it was a lot of fun to get to meet them. Had several meetings that I needed to go to for some future projects and some future uh, things I'm going to be hopefully working on in the near future with uh, some turkey stuff, some shotgun stuff, um, uh, just some fun projects I hopefully can tell you about in the coming days. Um, Before I get started, I wanted to, I always do this at the end, but I think I should do it at the beginning, is, you know, talk about places that you can get a hold of us and that is instagram is at redneck tech podcast and our email is redneck tech podcast at gmail.com and uh if you're some of the guys out there that tell me that you love the podcast i hope that you would go rate and review it on itunes that helps us get the message out to more people because we know that this market is a small one but we also want to grow the sport and we want to elevate each other and challenge each other and keep each other accountable in this craft that we're in so that's a way to do it like i said i apologize for taking so long to get to this next episode just a lot of times life gets in the way and i know a lot of you understand that but it was a good thing got that new baby home and mom is happy so that's all that matters got a list i got a listener question um i don't know a week or so ago maybe even a lot longer than a week i had to go look it up but this question is kind of going to get a little more down to the basics, kind of the, you know, the cameraman one-on-one, and it kind of goes back to, um, you know, how I talked about earlier about making sure you know your camera backwards and forwards, but this even goes even further than that to where you understand the different functions of your camera, and you understand what those buttons mean, you know, how to use them, how to manipulate them, and kind of, kind of what the question told me is, I need to go through and I need to explain the different functions of the camera and the different words that you see and what those things mean and what they do. And uh, it's going to be hard to do and kind of encompass the whole thing on a podcast to where I go over, you know, what aperture means, what, 
you know, exposure and focus and all those things, but I can tell you what they do, what they are, and how to manipulate them and kind of their importance, I guess, is kind of what I'm going to get at is go through the, the pieces of the camera that you need to know not only what they are, but what they do and how to use them. So first thing I'm going to go through is the buttons. Then I'm going to go through what they do and then how to use them. Um, so you need to understand the basic functions of your camera and the basic functions of every camera for the most part are the same. You know, all com cameras have exposure settings, they all have focus settings, they all have um, iris, shutter, all those good things. If you don't know what those things are, that's what this podcast is for, is to explain what those words are, what those things mean. So the first thing you want, it, the best way to learn this too, is not with a handycam. Um, when I want to say handycam, I'm talking about a, you know, a small handheld camera that you flip it open and hit record. And the image that you get is the image that the camera is telling you that you should have. The best way to learn this is with a DSLR or with a, you know, a big camera that has manual functions for all of these things. So if you're using a handy cam that you just flip it open, turn it on, and hit record, and what image you get is what you get, there's nothing that you manually got. You know, there's nothing that you manually did to get that image, to light that image better, to expose that image better, focus it, you know, all those good things. If you're not doing that, then you're probably the guy that doesn't understand some of these functions. So I'm going to break these things down, but then I'm going to go to how you can use these functions to make things more cinematic, to make them more appealing to the eye, to draw someone's focus to a certain part of your frame or a certain idea or a certain, you know, whatever the case may be. So there's ways not only to know these things, but how to use them to your advantage. First thing I'm going to start off with is focus. Focus is obviously, everybody understands what focus is, and this is the easiest to understand. On DSLRs, on your lens, on your, you know, your bigger camera, there's a, usually a ring that you can either go in the menu and set to be your focus ring, or if your camera, like most cinema cameras and DSLRs, has a dedicated ring just for focus. It's usually the biggest ring, and it's usually the furthest away on Canon is the furthest away from your hand so it's the furthest away on the lens um, Nikon is not the case it's actually closer to you on a Nikon lens on some of them and I'm sure this varies between lenses but the lenses I've ran um, and also another thing is on Canon it's uh, gosh I'm having to think it's it this Canon and Nikon lenses focus in two different directions one is counterclockwise pulls focus to you and the other one counterclockwise pull focus to you. I'd have to even get my camera. I can't even think about it. I just remember grabbing it and I know which way to go. Anyway, so that's focus. That's I mean that's everybody knows what that is. That's pretty self-explanatory. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through and explain what focus is. Everybody understands what focus is. But learn how to run that camera in manual focus. Manual not running your camera in manual focus will bite you in the butt. I've talked about this more times than you know probably several times, but. You get in that tree stand and you you're following that deer in and you're following that turkey in sitting on the ground and that one little leaf or that one little branch that's covering up that animal. That's what your camera will focus on if you're in autofocus. So if you don't know how to run it in manual, yes, that's, that's going to bite you. It's bit me before when I was first learning. It will bite you and you'll fight it in the stand. And if you're in auto, not, you know, trying to fix it, it's not going to do anything. So learn to run it manual. Exposure. Okay. The next thing is exposure, and exposure can be manipulated in several different ways. 
there's the iris, the shutter, and the ISO or gain. Some you know, there's ISO and gain, just depending on your camera. Uh, and all these things are used to get what you want out of your image, the right, you know, the right light, the right exposure, you know, the right look, whatever. Sometimes you want to shoot it dark, sometimes you want to shoot it, you know, bright, which if you ever have an option to shoot it darker bright, shoot it darker because it's easier to fix dark in post than it is bright in post because once you overexpose something, it's what we call burned. And once it's burned, it's burned. You're not going to get that data back unless you're on a really, really expensive camera. But even then, you don't want to overexpose it. So we're going to get into the functions of exposure. And these are the words that sometimes people don't understand. So there's a couple of different ways. And we're going to start out with your, your iris, or sometimes called aperture, or sometimes called f-stop. So you'll hear all of these different words. Well, what do those things mean? Okay, well, these are all the same. These all do the same thing, but they're different parts of essentially the camera to achieve that thing. So most of the time, it's called iris, and you'll hear some people say, "Well, you know, adjust your f-stop, or adjust your aperture, or you know, roll your iris one way or the other." Okay, well, all those things are essentially the same thing in layman's terms. In in regards to the guys listening to this podcast, they're pretty much the same thing. But if you want them explained, the iris is the part of the camera that has the adjustable opening to allow light to come in and to not as much come into the sensor. So essentially, you've all seen pictures of an iris. It looks like a bunch of like fan blades covered over each other, and they close and open to let more light in or less light in onto the uh, sensor. The aperture is the actual diameter of the opening in that iris. So as you open it up, the aperture gets bigger. As you close the iris, the aperture gets smaller. And the f-stop is actually the ratio of the focal length and the exposure diameter. So to get your f-stop number, it's your focal length divided by the aperture diameter. So I know that's getting technical, but you hear all these words and you might, may or may not know what they mean. So the iris is the actual physical part of the camera. The aperture is the size of the opening of the iris. And the f-stop is essentially the math problem of the, the ratio between focal length and the aperture diameter. So just, just know that's the little piece of your camera that opens and closes to let more and less light in. Okay, the next thing, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later because there's ways to use that to your advantage. Okay, the next thing is shutter or shutter speed. And shutter speed is essentially the length of time your camera shutter is open, exposing light to the camera. So not only is that iris opening and closing, there's also a shutter that's opening and closing to allow it to stay open for a certain amount of time. So if you've ever seen on your camera, you'll start rolling through your shutter. It'll be, say if you're shooting 30 frames a second, it'll be, you know, 30, 60, 120, uh, 250, 500. So that's 1 250th of a second, 1 uh, 120th of a second, 1 60th of a second, 1 30th of a second. That's what that shutter speed means. So that's how long that shutter is opening as you're filming. So that's, that's the number that you have to understand. That's a 60th or a 30th of a second. And those are always in intervals of what your uh, frame rate is. So if you're filming in 30 frames a second or 24 frames a second, that shutter number usually is in correlation with a multiple of that number. And a good rule of thumb on shutter speed in video, this is for video, is to always, always at least have your shutter 
double your frame rate. So if you're shooting in 24, have it at least in 1 of a second. If you're shooting in 30, have it at least in 1 of a second. And in worst case scenario, if it gets low light, you can you can equal your, your uh, frame rate. So if you're shooting in 30, the lowest you ever need to go is 1 of a second. Because once you go below 1 of a second, you get that really jittery looking video and it's you can't fix it. So never go below your frame rate, but always, if you can, try and be at least double your frame rate. And you can go up even higher if you want to. And I'll explain a little bit later about when you run that shutter speed way up, what that does. Okay, so shutter is the length of time. Your camera shutter is open, exposing light to the camera sensor. So it's so the iris is opening and closing, and then the shutter speed is flickering on, you know, open and close and open and close and open and close and really, really fast. And that's at least that that tells this that allows a certain amount of light to hit that sensor. That's why your image gets brighter and darker when you when you manipulate those two things. Okay, the the fourth thing that you need to learn how to run and what you need to understand is the ISO or gain on your camera. This is essentially I tell people it's artificial light, but that's not really the right way I tell people that, but that's not it's a really good way for the people to understand it. Essentially what it is is ISO and gain is the sensitivity of the light that okay, let me start over. The ISO or gain is the sensor's sensitivity to light. And what that means is when you have that number as low as it'll go, it's only it's going to essentially rely on your shutter speed and your iris to get your um your it's gonna rely I'm getting tongue twisted, guys. I'm sorry. Because there's a lot of words and stuff that I'm not used to saying back to back to back to back. So let me start over. ISO is your camera sensor's sensitivity to light. And when that number is low, you're essentially using your exposure between your shutter and your uh, your iris or aperture. So once you start bumping that number up and gain or ISO, what you're doing is you're increasing the sensitivity of light to that sensor. And what that's going to start doing as you go up is it's going to introduce noise into your image. So I know a lot of guys have messaged me and say, hey, my image looks like it's got, you know, ashy in it or it's kind of, kind of grainy. Well, that's what that is. So you try and avoid using ISO or gain. Some of these newer cameras, especially like the A7S II and those type cameras, you have a gain, you know, or an ISO range of like something stupid. And a lot of them will handle that number and handle that sensitivity to light a lot better before the image starts breaking down. But I tell guys, especially when they're first starting out and they don't really understand ISO and gain, worry about your shutter and your uh, iris first, and then start worrying about your gain last because you don't want to mess with that a whole lot. Because once that's burned into your image, that you know that graininess or whatever is burned into your image, it's there. You know it's very hard to get it out. There's some programs that will get it out or, you know, at least help it, but it kind of makes everything look milky and not quite sharp focus. So I tell people to, you know, avoid using ISO and gain, especially when you're first starting out until you understand it. So keep those numbers as low as you can. Gains on zero. Um, ISOs, I know my ISO on my FS5, like the lowest number, it'll go as 1,000. Keep it on the lowest setting. And I always make sure that I go into my camera's menu and turn those... There's, you, there's a switch on my camera that if you flip it from like low, medium, high, it bumps that ISO up, you know, incrementally. 
Well, I'll go into my menu and I'll cut those off. Like I'll go into my menu and say low a thousand, medium thousand, high a thousand in case that ever gets bumped when you're running through the woods or dragging it up a tree or whatever. That way I see it, which I always try and check my settings anyway, but sometimes when you're running a gun and it's kind of hard, I'll always go through and make sure those have turned to the lowest number. That way if they ever do get bumped, I don't have something burned into my image and there's nothing I can do about it. So that's a really good way of doing it. If you ever need ISO and gain or if I ever do, I'll go into my menu and manually turn it on. That way I don't ever worry about bumping it. And the last thing I want to talk about is frame rate. Frame rate is essentially the numbers of frames or pictures, I'm doing air quotes, um, your camera is capturing per second. So essentially when you're filming in a 24, 30, or 60, so say you're filming in 24, essentially what your camera's doing is it's taking 24 frames per second and creating your video. 30 frames is, this, you know, at, at 30p is the same thing as taking 30 frames per second. Then you have 60 frames per second. 20, 40, or 20, 30, and 60 are your most common um, frame rates when you're talking about you know filming hunts or filming television or whatever. Um, most films, like feature films, are exported in 24 frames. And the reason that is, is that's the most appealing to the human eye. Uh, I think there's been some studies that you know show that the human eye operates in around 24 frames. So that gives it that look that our eye is most appealed to. Uh, Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, air in 30, unless they've changed that in the last year. Uh, they air in 30 frames a second. So just remember that if you're filming for television, it's probably a good idea to film in 30. Because if you're filming in 24 or 60, which would be okay to film in 60 because you can drop the frames and fix it. But if you're filming in 24, essentially it's having to add frames to equate to 30 frames a second when you export and a lot of times that'll create what's called drop frames and it's just a pain in the butt so i would recommend just go ahead and shooting in 30 it'll make life easier um common high frame rates and when i say high frame rates you hear people talking about high speed or slow motion there's um they're generally those frame rates are 120 180 or 240 so um the fs5 will shoot 120 180 and 240 uh, the FS7 will shoot continuous 180. I think it will actually even shoot 240, I think. But essentially what that's doing is it's taking 120 frames per second and 180 frames per second. And there are some cameras that will do thousands of frames a second. They're stupid expensive and you have to have a ton of light because when you start running those really high frame rates, your shutter speed has to, it, it has to equal those frame rates. So that means that the shutter is opening and closing that much faster and it's letting in that much less light. So you have to light the crap out of whatever you're filming. It's got to be really bright, sunny sh sunshine outside. It's it's Once you start getting into high frame rates and high shutter speeds, that's when you have to have a ton of light. So those are the most, most common frame rates. So how do all these things work together? How, how do they work? Okay, so since we're talking about the basics of these things, and I'm trying to keep it as simple as I possibly can for the guys that are asking, you know, essentially these simple functions and simple questions, um, we have to understand them. And once we understand them, we'll, un we'll, we'll be able to achieve those cinematic looks and the feels that we want. So the iris is associated with the number. And that number usually on most cameras starts at like 2.8 or 3.5 or 4.0. And that number will go as high as sometimes like 22, okay? So if that iris number, or that f-stop number, or you know aperture number, whatever you want to call it, 
you, you'll see it in your camera. There'll be a little number that's associated. The, the lower that number is, the shallower your focus is. And when I see when I say the shallower your focus is, that means the less things that are in focus. So if I'm filming, if I'm in a tree stand and I'm filming out into a field and I've got trees between me and the field, say I'm 20 yards off the field, so I've got three trees between me and the field, at that 2.8, I am and I'm focused on my hunter that's in the stand with me and he's you know his back's facing that field, and I'm at 2.8. The only thing I'm going to be in focus on is my hunter, you know, probably from his face to the back of his head, maybe. And then everything behind him and everything in front of him is going to be out of focus. Now, as I take that number and I go up, say I go up to like 8 or 10, then there's going to be a lot more in focus. I'm going to have my hunter in focus. I'm probably going to have that first and second and third tree in focus. So there's a lot more things in focus. It gives me a lot more leeway to make sure that things are in focus. It's going to widen my focal length. So that's what that number manipulates is how much light's is enters the camera and then how much is in focus okay now that number is that focal length and how shallow that focus is, is magnified when you zoom in so say I'm in 2.8 and I zoom in to my hunter okay I use my lens to push into him well now his whole face isn't in focus just the end of his nose and his eyes are in focus in the back you know his ears and the back of his head are now out of focus that's because when I zoom in, that amplifies how shallow that focus is. So the lower that number, the shallower it is. If you zoom in with a lower number, even shallower it is. That's how you, and the way that you use that to your advantage is when you want something to look cinematic or you want something to, you want to draw focus to something. You want somebody to actually focus their eyes on what you want them to focus on. If you run that number as low as you can or lower, and once you start playing with this, you'll understand, you know, how those numbers work together, is you can essentially draw someone's eye to exactly what you want them to see. So you run that number low, zoom in, and you're going to be focused on exactly what you want them to look at. Or you can roll focus for things you want them to look at. You see people that do what's called a, a rolling focus or a um you know, essentially a follow focus is you focus from one thing to another. Essentially, you can roll focus down a fence line or you can roll focus from a person to an animal. Essentially, you've got to, you've got to understand you have to have a really low f-stop and a focal length to be able to do that and to have it to where it's drastic enough to where you can actually watch that focus walk down the tree or walk down that fence or walk down the ground to the animal. So that's how those numbers work together. The higher that number... The more things are in focus, the lower the number, the less things are in focus. So that's as simple as I can put it. So um, the next thing is shutter speed. So once you start manipulating that f-stop and you run that number down to 2.8, well, 2.8, that's letting in as much light as possibly can to the image. And say you're in the bright, sunny sunshine and you run that number down to 2.8, well, it's going to be a really, really bright image, like so bright that it's almost white in your monitor. Okay, well, how do I fix that? Well, we didn't talk about neutral density filters. I guess I need to talk about that. A lot of cameras have what's called an ND filter, and you know some guys don't understand what that is. Well, essentially, what that is is it's can it's a it's a sunglasses for your camera. So I run NDs every chance I get because I like to keep my I like to keep my f-stop low. 
So if you've got ND filters, use them. You use those when the sunshine is bright, when the light is bright, you use those filters. Okay, so those are simple. The next way that you can manipulate that light, if you don't have ND filters, which a lot of DSLRs don't, is you manipulate your shutter speed. You can take your shutter speed and you can run that number. You can start, you know, essentially you're, you're speeding up the shutter. So we're going to go from 1 60th of a second and we're going to go to 1 300th of a second. And once you do that, that shutter is opening and closing a lot faster. So letting in less light. So you can now keep your f-stop low, run your shutter speed up higher, and you can keep that cinematic look even in bright sunshine. Okay, so what does that do when I run my shutter speed up? What that does is when your shutter speed's high, it reduces what's called motion blur. And motion blur is, you probably won't notice it watching a lot of, you know, TV or, you know, high-end high stuff, but if you're editing, you will. It's essentially with that f-stop, or I mean, I'm sorry, when your shutter speed is like at 130 or, or at 124th or whatever, is you say, have somebody wave at the camera. Well, if you play that back, you can see in their, their hand is essentially blurred as they're waving because that shutter speed can't essentially can't keep up with that motion. But now if I run that shutter speed up like to one three hundredths or, you know, whatever, I start running that number up and you start waving, that blur is going to get less and less and less because the shutter is opening and closing and essentially, in layman's terms, gathering more information to where it's not going to blur that hand. So that's what that shutter speed's doing. So a lot of times when you're filming um, like sports or things that have a lot of fast motion, you're going to want to run a higher shutter speed so there's less motion blur. And that's what, you know, like we talked about earlier with those high frame rates, you know, 120, 180, 240, is you're seeing crisp motion even in really high speeds because that shutter speed's ran up. And another good rule about shutter speed is this is more for photography, but it's, it's another good tip is your shutter speed needs to be at least double your focal length. So if you're zoomed in to say 300 millimeters or 200 millimeters, let's do 200 millimeters because that's more common lens size. So you're zoomed in all the way to 200 millimeters on your DSLR to take a picture, your shutter speed needs to be at least double your uh, focal length. So if you're at 200 millimeters, you need to be at least at a 400 shutter speed. I hope that made sense because that's going to, because when you're when you're zoomed out that far, especially if you're hand holding, there's going to be movement in the camera. And if you have a fast enough shutter speed, you're going to get rid of all that motion. You're actually going to be able to capture the image without motion blur. Double your focal length on shutter speed when you're taking pictures. Okay. Um, ISO and gain. Keep these numbers low. I've already talked about this. Gain on zero, ISO and low setting that make it possible. Just keep away from grainy footage. That's really all I want to tell you about ISO. I don't want to get into it. I don't want you to know much about it. Keep that number low. Try not to use it. The only time you'd ever use it is in really low light when you really need to kill an animal. Um, because that, that's other than that, unless you want grain in your footage and you don't understand it, or you've got a camera that can really handle it, which you know there's some newer cameras that can really handle ISO and gain. I've never used. I mean, I've used the A7S, but even then, I didn't really run my ISO and gain up. Um, once you have, once you've learned how to use these things, once you've learned how to expose your image correctly and get the right depth of field, like I said, how much is in focus relative to the zoom, then you can start getting creative and get the most out of your camera. Um, generally, you know, films and higher end productions are filmed really shallow. They have a, you know, a, a low f stop, 
and you know they use zoom and focal length to their advantage so they can draw the viewer's eye to what they want and you can literally focus on what you want focused on like I said um, if you're doing shots on the move or walking and tracking shots you need to open the aperture up that way you can keep more in focus or run your f-stop number up higher you like 7 9 10 11 that way you can run um, you know and run a faster shutter speed so you don't get that motion blur keep things in focus because if not you're gonna be fighting focus the whole time so just remember when you're doing follow things when you're doing chases when you're doing things that have movement manipulate your f-stop to where you can keep things in focus more and you're not fighting focus all the time uh, if you're uncomfortable running your exposure in manual all the time you need to learn peaking and zebras okay so I'm not going to go through a full you know podcast on peaking and zebras right now but go online find your your model camera and Google um, how to set up peaking and zebras because those two things are going to make your life so much easier. I recommend using peaking for focus because it's going to use the contrast of your uh, viewfinder to tell you what's in focus and what's out of focus. I always use the red peaking on the high level. That way I know what's in crisp focus. And then on the zebras, I set my zebras to 90. That way when I start seeing zebra stripes, I'll know that that's starting to get out of that you know that's starting to get overexposed. That's starting to get too bright. So learn how to use peaking, learn how to use zebras. I'm going to do a whole podcast on zebras and peaking one day, but learn how to use those two functions on your camera. That will help you keep your image exposed correctly, and it will keep you in focus. Learn to make, learn to use these functions in manual. It will make you a better shooter. I promise. I hope, I hope I didn't butcher that. I felt like I was butchering it or going off on tangents the whole time, trying to read my notes, but. If you have more questions about it, please email me, redneck-tech-podcast at gmail, or um, Instagram is redneck-tech-podcast, at redneck-tech-podcast. Um, I, I really want to make sure I hit those things correctly, uh, which I probably said the wrong word for something, and I hope I didn't confuse anybody. But if I did, email me, and I'll try and clear it up. But um, that was a lot. That was a mouthful. A lot of it, a lot of words that, like I said, I'm not used to saying. But anyway... All new on the website. Got a special gear page with products that I use all the time and play things that I recommend. Um, we've got everything lined up for the camera school. I did a whole podcast about it here not too long ago. If you've got any questions, email us. Remember to rate and review. Thanks, guys. Oh.